Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big job there from Duffy and Brett Mears. Hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. So whose idea was this, Ken Flo, to get on a red eye right after dropping the headset down and uh, hit this Anik and Florian podcast at 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, <laughs> November 8, 2020. It's episode 275 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Quickest turn I've ever made. I literally got off the air 10 hours ago. I am back in South Florida where it is raining. Uh, and it's good to see your Anakin Florian podcast t-shirt and your smiling face. Uh, good day to you from South Carolina, kid. What's going on down there? You know, I'm doing well. I, I would like to remind you that it was actually your idea, you freaking savage. That's right. Yeah, That's right. so uh, I can't believe you're here. You look great. It looks like you're, you're rested. Did you sleep on the plane at all? And anything? I did. I did. Okay, I slept good. for about three and a half hours on the plane, so I, I feel well enough to do the show today, and we have a ton to get into, as usual, it is amazing. This sport really is the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm not saying if this was an NFL podcast that we wouldn't have things to talk about every week, but it's like the show fucking does itself. You know, I mean, right. it really does itself in a lot of respects. If you do want to focus on fighting and focus on these great mixed martial arts athletes, and that is what we try to do. So let's get to one of them. Glover to share. I mean, this was the only Brazil related T-shirt I had today. It says Sagano. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But Glover fucking Teixeira, sorry for the foul language right off the top, but five straight wins, 41 years old. Our listeners certainly know that by now. Um, but again, we thought the version against Anthony Smith was maybe the best version to date. And he has now put training camps on top of each other. This fight was delayed twice, had to deal with adversity. He just might be the best light heavyweight in the world right now. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. I, I really think that he can win a title right now at 41, 42 years old. You know, as he walked out, um, physically, you could see it. Mentally, you could see it. He was focused. He looked to be in tremendous shape. He was a lot leaner as he was in his last fight. Uh, and I think he definitely is taking things uh, way more serious. That is clear. Yeah. Um, he's looking sharper than ever. Um, I think that he has made improvements with his jujitsu uh, as well. Yes. Um, that really was obviously the clear advantage that he had over Tiago Santos. Um, and I think he's just making better decisions overall. And man, is he tough. And to see him do all of these things at 41 years old 
when the lights are brightest is so impressive and so inspiring. Um, and again, it is proof. We are not supposed to get worse as we get older as a fighter. As far as skill-wise, right. we are supposed to get better. And Glover's been around for a hell of a long time. He was one of Chuck Liddell's main sparring partners. Yeah. And to see him do this at this point is just amazing. He fought at WEC3. Right. And yeah. then obviously it took him a while to get to the UFC uh, visa issues and otherwise. But Crazy. he does have this habit of, of getting, <clears throat> excuse me, tagged early on. Right. The first thing he said to me in our post fight interview was, I think I might have a broken bone in my face. Tiago <laughs> Santos hits hard and we will get to Santos, who is another guy who I think can uh, can rebuild and be a future champion. Um, but this is not ideal. Right. I mean, he still got the job done, but not right. ideal to be sort of staring at that type of adversity and having to consistently walk through that, even against guys like Iwan Kute Laba, you know? Oh, w without a doubt, uh, without a doubt. And I think that, you know, he typically has been a slow starter. Um, and I think once he gets into his groove and wakes up, uh, he's a very difficult man to stop. And uh, he did a great job of adjusting, of hanging in there. Uh, and, and, and again, late as well, uh, in the third round when he right. got tagged. So, uh, just a, a brilliant performance overall. And, uh, yeah, what, one of, one of the mo more impressive, impressive performances that I've seen out of Glover to share. So for Tiago Santos, I thought at times he did well defensively. I'm certainly going to ask you and not yeah. give a bunch of my opinion here, but he did tell us in his fighter meeting that he used to hate jujitsu and he has elevated to Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt now, you know, training in the gi pretty consistently and really has found a newfound love for it. Um, but one of the first things they teach you is hip escapes, and he was certainly not trying to do that with any regularity. I mean, talk to me. Absolutely, man. As I was watching this fight, it's almost like, you know, if I put you in a room with two doors, right, and I shut one of those doors <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm going to kill you and <laughs> you have the choice, you have the choice of either staying there right? And letting me kill you, or at least letting me stab you or whatever, or right. you get the hell out of the door. There's another door over there, man. And he was not <laughs> utilizing it. He did not get the hell out of there. He was literally just planting his his back on the canvas and just right. basically signed this uh, invisible agreement that said, I'm just going to, I'm in my guard now. You took me down. I'm just going to stay here, I guess. He didn't hip escape. He didn't try to get an underhook and move himself positionally to elevate himself, get back to his knees. Right. I was just mystified by the whole thing. Now, he is coming off a, a, a terrible injury. I remember before I fought Sean Chirk, I really wasn't able to uh, do a whole lot of wrestling because I, I had hurt my back and I was off and on with my training camp and things like that. And I felt like that kind of suffered a little bit. Um, so maybe it's him not being able to wrestle as much or grapple as much. But my goodness, if you face a guy like Glover Teixeira and you are considered Right, Tiago Santos is considered one of the most devastating knockout artists in the division. Yeah. What do you think Glover's going to do? Right. He's going to try to take you down. Right. Why aren't you working on those aspects to get back to his feet? And and again, it, it may have been a physical thing or an injury thing, but man, he's got he really has to do a massive overhaul with his grappling, and that's where he lost that fight. And then at the end, engaging in the grappling with Glover Teixeira. Right. And if I could just go a little bit longer, Please. John, sorry to go so long, but with um with Glover. You see, a, you see a drastic difference, right? Glover was in the exact same position that Tiago Santos was. If you look at Tiago Santos throughout most of those first two rounds, he was in a half guard position, just kind of laying there, eating punches, you know, just trying to get back to guard, and that's it. Glover Teixeira was in half guard, and maybe after about a minute or so, he got the underhook, he got back to his feet, actually yeah. turned into a single leg and turned into a sweep or a takedown and put Tiago on his back. 
Thiago was not doing that. That's the difference in really uh, understanding a grappling situation and not. I love it. So for Teixeira, you, you talk about the technical improvements and how the jiu-jitsu technique is improving. I mean, everything he's throwing on the ground is with bad intentions trying to get you out of there. But isn't a lot of his success or doesn't it have to be rooted in supreme conditioning? Because he's not stalling at all. He's not wasting any time. I just I really do think that that's a big part of his recent success. I mean, I don't want to shortchange the jujitsu improvements. I mean, the striking defense left a little bit to be desired a little bit early on, of course, and ended yeah. round three. Um, but I don't know, man. I just feel like he's in as good a shape as anybody at 205 pounds and, and is built for five rounds. Uh, John, I, I think you, you absolutely cannot ignore that fact. I think that when you are well conditioned, it it it's not just it doesn't just improve your conditioning. That's what people need to understand is that it kind of spreads out into other areas of the game. Uh, first of all, the mental aspect of the game. When you know you can go a hard five rounds, that's going to do wonders for the rest of your uh, mental game because you're going to go, you know what? I can unleash hell on this guy and be fine. And I think that's what allows Glover to really let it rip now. Anytime right. you're hesitant or you're worried about getting tired, it shuts down the rest of your game. So I yeah. absolutely think you're right. All right. So as we spin it forward, the light heavyweight champion, of course, is Jan Bojovic. Marches when he wants to fight. And he's going to be able to call that shot, right? His wife or his fiance is having a baby in December. He's going to fight in March and defend the title. If you read into what Bohovic said on social media, he doesn't necessarily think that Adesanya wants to wait until March. He has kept a furious schedule, and there are some things going on. Adesanya is still in Las Vegas. I saw Brad Riddell in the gym, and he said he was going to be forced to, to not go home for another five weeks. So there's a lot of things going on with some of these city kickboxing guys, and I don't know if that applies to Adesanya or not. But I don't know if Izzy wants to wait, right? But Glover Teixeira certainly is the number one light heavyweight contender right now, having finished the previous number one contender, Tiago Santos. No denying Izzy if he wants that fight. You know, Bohovic, the second biggest fight he can get to John Jones, I think, is Adesanya. Um, but certainly Glover Teixeira, in my mind, with five straight wins. And this one on the back end is done enough to have earned a title shot. I, I trust I'm not going to get a, a strong argument against from you on that. No, uh, I'm not going to give you a counter argument to that. You look at Glover and just his whole history and everything he's done up to this point, uh, and you combine that with his recent success, the guy is absolutely deserving of that. All right, so last time Glover Teixeira fought for the belt was 2014, April. We'll see if he gets the title fight, but I thought he asked for it in the post-fight interview in, in sort of a, a genuine, nice way and uh, went about it the right way, and Dana White said he's paying attention, uh, so we shall see. All right, co-main event. Uh, not in the fight of the year conversation necessarily, Ken Flo, but it's Andre Arlovsky who has now won three of his last four. He wins by unanimous decision over Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer. And I'm not paid to judge. I'm paid to commentate. I'm certainly happy for Andre. Um, I guess it depends what you prefer a lot of times, right? If it's volume or those big moments, I thought Arlovsky had more big moments, Ken Flo. Um, but Tanner Bozer, in my mind, missed an opportunity here. What'd you think of the co-main? Yeah, I, I think I would agree with all those things. I, I think, listen, I, I think Arlovsky and what he's done with his career is very similar to what Glover Teixeira has done in, in a lot of ways, perhaps not the same level of competition right. as a Glover Teixeira. Uh, but the fact that he has been a lot smarter in his approach, a lot cleaner with his defense, I think says a lot uh, about the guys that are training him uh, over at ATT, right? And um, I think that uh, he's made some good adjustments. 
However, I'm not sure he won that fight. I thought that Bozer was busier. Um, traditionally, uh, judges haven't uh, put a lot of weight on leg kicks. You could right. see that there was serious damage in Arlovsky's lead left leg for a couple right. reasons. Not only the bruising that was there, but also Arlovsky simply wasn't moving the same. And if you don't see those two things, you're not watching the fight. Right. And I feel right. like right. Um, Bozer was staying busy with the kicks, a little bit busier. But both these guys really had so much respect for the other's power that we didn't see a lot of good exchanges. But if we're looking at the boxing aspects alone, I think you're accurate in saying that Arlovsky had the bigger moments. I think there was a couple right hands that he landed, and then that spinning back fist that was a little bit more apparent on Bozer's face right. that he was hurt, and right. that didn't help uh, Bozer's cause. Still incredible on the Arlovsky side. It really is when you think about yeah. how long ago people buried him because he was maybe putting himself in harm's way too often and the chin was compromised and there was a really bad stretch there where he lost several fights in a row and look at him now, right? And that show money's pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. That show money for Andre Arlovsky is pretty good. All right. Haoni Barcelos and Khalid Taha in the no doubter for fight of the night. Barcelos 30 to 27 times three. And with respect to Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling, a lot of fans were tweeting at me saying, you know, that might be the best bantamweight in the world right now. I mean, he's 16 and one. Uh, that's a top five bantamweight talent. I know this division's loaded, but don't tell me there are a bunch more bantamweights on the planet better than that fucking guy because I don't want to hear it. I tell you what, uh, I think that's a guy who uh, really didn't give a shit about who was in front of him at that point. I mean, yeah, he was moving yeah. forward. He was throwing combinations and completely disrespecting Taha throughout that fight. It almost looked like, you know, sometimes you get into certain, you know, certain gyms and you see the kind of the alpha dogs and the guys that are kind of underneath there. That's what it looked like. It looked like a sparring match where the guy is just really just handling business out there. Uh, Barcelos is legit. Um, but we, we, we can't talk enough about the toughness of Taha. Dude. That's a guy that would not go away, man. I mean, how many guys would have, would have hung in there and taken right. that amount of damage? Right. I, I think two people would have left the time the first round was over. I mean, Taha is tough as nails, but Barcelos really put on a show of aggression, speed, uh, activity, variety. Oh. Uh, he was firing on all cylinders, dude. I mean, just depends what you like, but he can do it all. And real quickly to set up his credentials as we did on broadcast, right? Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, five-time Brazilian national wrestling champ who went on to represent the Brazilian national team. Uh, and that says nothing of his striking, which looks world-class to my amateur right. eyes, right? So, uh, absolutely. He reminded me of a, of, of a younger Jose Aldo. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think that was escaping me on broadcast. And sometimes I am hesitant to sort of take a leap like that, you know? Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, what a beast, man. And, and I think he's certainly going to get that, you know, top 10 fight that he is looking for. Uh, oftentimes it's just about keeping an active schedule, you know, for one reason or another. He hasn't been all that active this year, um, but an incredible performance for Barcelos. If you don't have anything else on him, I'll move on to a guy who has been nothing if not active. Uh, Giga Chikadze. How about these Georgians? How about these Georgians? Right. I mean, Marab and uh, and there's some bigger names that are escaping me right now. And Liana Jojua, but Giga Chikadze is 5-0 and in the UFC. And uh, this was a hard weight cut for him, Ken Flo. You know, he fought in October. He was thinking he was going to fight at 55, maybe against Drew Dober or a top 10 lightweight on short notice. Then he was hoping to maybe get a catchweight opportunity at 50. But 
had to cut to 45 to make this fight happen. Say what you want about the opposition here, Jamie Simmons, right? But Chikadze comes in right on the number 145. He felt like kind of had 10 minutes to get a finish. Otherwise, he was going to gas, and uh, he needed three minutes and 51 seconds. John, I had trained with Giga uh, about, I guess, maybe five, six years ago. And I remember scratching my head. And I probably scratch my head every single time I see that he weighs in at 145 pounds. I, I yeah. don't – I look at the guy, and I'm trying to do the math, and I'm trying to calculate it. I have no idea how, how the hell the dude makes 145 pounds. Um, but this is a guy that is very strong. He's, he's really doing a great job of bringing in those kickboxing skills, those Muay Thai skills, and transferring them very well over to mixed martial arts. That left kick is absolutely brutal. You know it's coming. Um, and if you ask any legit Muay Thai coach, if you're a southpaw, they will continually tell you to throw the left leg. What's your response to a left hand? A left kick. What's your response to a right hand? A left kick. What do you do if they kick? You left kick them. <laughs> you know, it was just like, that's what he does. That's his yeah. main weapon. And he utilizes right. it so well, whether it's to the body, to the head. And man, did he have a speed advantage. Uh, it was absolutely brutal, that shot. It, you could see it coming. Dominic Cruz did a great job of of saying it was coming, yep. and you could absolutely see that it was coming. Uh, and uh, Giga is going to be a very difficult guy to deal with on the feet. There's no doubt about that. And maybe he'll get the Arnold Allen fight that he is looking for. And he also told us in our fighter meeting that he's been working on some submissions to sort of take advantage of his length, you know, darces and arm triangles and things yes. like, you know, so uh, I do believe he is working to round out his game because again, those challenges are coming and a lot of dudes going to try to dump you on your ass and uh, not allow you to kick them because you can't really kick when you're on your back. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like I said, he was training back in the gi, like religiously, uh, you know, five, six years ago. So I think he saw this transition obviously coming. Uh, he knew he had to shore up his defense and his grappling skills. He's been doing that. I'm sure he's ready for it. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do in that very difficult featherweight division. So Giga Chikadze was a pretty big betting favorite here against the short notice newcomer, Jamie Simmons. Uh, and at one point, I think on the night, seven straight favorites had cashed in. So Ken Flo, you might've heard me say, and our producer, Zach Candido gave it to me in my ear, something like favorites at that point dating to UFC 254 had won 29 of their last 31, right? So stretch of 31 fights and the favorites were 29 and two. And then of course, Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer and Tiago Santos lost as betting right. favorites. So, you know, I look at my phone, I got like a hundred tweets telling me that I jinxed the two betting favorites. Like, I think it's an incredible number, right? When I get a nugget from a producer, it is my choice whether or not to take that to broadcast. Yeah. I ain't trying to jinx your straight wager, but I truly don't. I care as much about that probably as like, people who don't like my mustache. I try to like say that with all due respect, but it's like, I'm not trying to jinx your bet, but I can assure you if you're a play-by-play -play guy and your producer gives you a nugget like that, you're fucking using it. That's all. John, John I would never, ever, ever blame you Thank for you, fuck it, for, for your fucking up my parlay last night. Yeah, you, you needed that. <laughs> that bows are the final leg to cash your fucking five teamer, and uh, well, I apologize if I hit it. I'll apologize to you, my favorite fighter. Um, did you happen to see Yan Xiaonan over Claudia Gadelia to kick I off did. the main I, card? How about Yan Xiaoyan? She's fun to watch, man. Dude, she really is. You know, um, she, without a doubt, in my mind, uh, possesses the best sidekick in the whole UFC. A lot of people incorrectly say that you got to use the long range weapon, which is the form of the jab. 
the longest weapon is your lead leg. And and Jan does that extremely well. She didn't utilize it as much as I would like to see against Claudia Gedalia. Um, but uh, she did a phenomenal job of staying busy and making the right decisions and anti, you know, not, not necessarily anti-grappling, but doing a good job of stopping the takedowns of Gedalia. Um, and uh, yeah, she's going to be, she's going to be a handful for anyone in that division. I, I guarantee you she will fight for the belt and she just might win it. I love the way that she times uh, her strikes, the way that she moves around her footwork um, is some of the best I, I think in that division without a doubt. It's really incredible to think about her getting into a title fight against Zhang Wei Li, China versus China for the strawweight championship. And certainly she's not there yet. Uh, Rose Namajunas is going to be next, right. I believe, but uh Maybe a winner, too, and Yan Xiaonan is fighting for the title, and this is a tough one for Claudia Gadelia. Still has been unable to secure a three-fight winning streak in the UFC, and uh, this will move her down to the bottom half of that top ten, and uh, we'll see where she goes from here. Uh, Alexander Romanov, certainly <clears throat> a heavyweight to be reckoned with, still undefeated, and uh, only getting better. And then I just want to point out, before we get to Ramiz Brahima's ear and Max Griffin's win, um, Darren Elkins is 15 and six at 145 pounds in the UFC. So uh, he had lost four straight coming in, but 15 and six, that's a big win for Darren, the damage Elkins. It was great to see him get a win, man. I mean, that is one of the t most tough individuals you will see in the UFC. The dude's a beast. And I want to get back to Romanoff. I, I think he's a guy to definitely watch at heavyweight. Um, I don't know if you got you guys must have seen uh, him warming up backstage uh, dude doing like one handed uh, cartwheels and shit. And like, it's just like, that's a heavyweight guys. Like that's it, Kung Fu Panda right there. It, it was crazy. <laughs> Do not be fooled uh, by, by the chub. And I could say that cause I got a little chub around my stomach right now, but man, he is athletic. He can move. Uh, watch out for that dude. And he loves to punch people in the face. Right. And I don't know if he was 275, 280 when he went in there, but he does cut weight or so it would appear. And I do think maybe you'll see him lean out. You see a lot of guys who come into the UFC, particularly heavyweights. I remember Jarzinho Rosenstrike when he signed, he said, when I signed with the UFC, the only thing that changed started doing three a days instead of two a days, you know? So maybe for it. Romanov, that's something that's in his future, but yeah, man, what an athlete. And I, I don't know, man, I think he could be a real problem. Um, and ascend pretty quickly. I mean, look how quickly it happened for Tanner Bozer getting in a co-main event. So uh, Alexander Romanov, for my money, is the real deal. All right, so nice win for Max Griffin, and that should be the story, and we congratulate Max Payne Griffin, who's a really uh, good dude, but the story is that <laughs> Ramiz Brahimai had to go get his ear reattached to his head. It, yeah. I mean, what do you have for me on that? <laughs> it was bad, dude. Well, here's the thing. You know, anytime your ear is swollen, it's kind of like wearing these cans on our ears. It sticks out of our head, so it becomes a bigger target. And that means that that object can rip off of our head way easier. I think this is the, the second type of injury we've seen in the last month or something like that. So any of these fighters, you know, as you're training, you can you can cause this trauma. And, and forgive me if you guys know what cauliflower ear is, but as you get these hematomas, Tomas, right? You're going to get the swelling on the inside of the ear. Sometimes it's, it's already hardened, right? And it's fine. But sometimes you get these fresh runes where this blood is hanging out you know, this blood is just staying there uh, and it can rip open uh, just due to the pressure right. Right. on the skin from that blood and that hematoma. So uh, yeah, that was hard to watch. It, it was brutal. And this is a guy who's coming off a nasty eye uh, right. surgery as right. well. 
Uh, so yeah, that was, that was hard to see. And he, and he was obviously, you know, taking some damage in that fight. Um, but yeah, that, that was a nasty one, man. Yeah. Tough for Brahimai. Really good kid. And I think he'll be back strong and he's got safe Saud in his corner. One of my dear friends. So I think he'll be back strong, but yeah, he had that tumor removed behind his left eye and, uh, initially was to make his UFC debut like 501 days ago. Then he was to fight in June and his opponent tested positive for COVID. So he had to drive back from, you know, or it was, I don't know he ended up driving back from Vegas to Dallas, didn't get that fight. And then this one goes down like this. And, uh, does not make me want to sign up for jujitsu again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and he took what two shots to the nuts as well. So it's like, right, right. Come on, give the guy yeah. a break, will you? So like, alone. when do when do you get to grapple again? Like after they stitch that up? Seriously, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a little while. I think you know the the good news is that in some ways, it's huh. good in that they could drain all the blood and all the swelling out of there. Nice, nice. But yeah, that's nice. Right. But you know, I think with with that ear being stitched up like it is, I, I think it's gonna be at least a solid uh, month or so where he can do any kind of contact because again, that ear is gonna be that much more vulnerable to ripping right back open. So right. he certainly can't do any grappling for at least a month, I would say. Right. Maybe some headgear. Well, we yeah. congratulate Max Griffin and a great tidy 10 fight card. Outstanding. Y'all know 2020 has been a little nuts, but that does not mean you should disregard taking care of yours. Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below, below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And the mission has now gone international, folks. Manscaped has released their products, all of them in the UK, Canada and Australia. And as many of you know by now, Manscaped has changed the way I go about my hygiene. No longer using that same trimmer on my face and my head as I use down there because I got the Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof technology on this lawnmower, by the way. And Manscaped has also now just released the Crop Care Kit as well. Includes all sorts of products, including ball wipes. How about that, Ken Flo? You need some ball wipes? Manscaped has them. Always got to be prepared. Foot deodorant, body wash in that bundle as well. And all these formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know you are in good hands. And if you're not there yet, now is the time to get in on the Manscaped craze. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash AF. Manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com slash AF. All right. It's the main event challenge. Annick. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, we now welcome in the Duck, Ian Parker. 136-133 was the lead for Team Annick going into UFC fight night. I almost butchered my own fucking last name. It's been a long morning. Uh... Big night for the Duck, courtesy of that Glover Teixeira no. submission. A lot of sharps out there like Glover Teixeira in that plus 200 range. And in our scoring system, Ian, plus 200 and plus 299 are the same. So we'll talk off the air about how maybe we need to fix that in the future. But we will take it a 5-1 to one week and now a lead of 141 to 134 for Team Anik. I also want to publicly thank our new intern, Casey Williams, compiling all the numbers for me. Favorites versus underdogs sent the detailed document to me and Cody right after the event. So Casey Williams, we appreciate you. And uh, four picks today. We're going to have Ken Fo lead on the main event only, but we got a lead here, Ian. And uh, this is pretty exciting. Glover to share as a beast. You had to be pretty imp impressed with that performance. I would think. Yeah. You know what? I think. That we <laughs> Thanks for that quack sound, Cody. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. You know what? This was the time to take a shot on him. You know, with Santos being out for as long as he was, 
But man, he still carries that power. And one punch could change everything. It happened twice. I thought it was interesting in the first round when he dropped Glover. Uh, there was a lot of shots to the back of the head, and I was really worried that that was going to finish it. Glover was smart, didn't even try to stand up, just tried to get down. And then the third round when he got dropped, I was happy he didn't try to get onto that single because Santos was giving it everything he got to throw those hammers fists to the temple and try to end it. Stayed in his guard, got the sweep, got on top, and Santos was done. Santos was done at that point. Tank was empty, and man, the uh, the ageless wonder, Glover to share. And you know what? Good for him. He's the nicest guy ever. He deserves this. Give him the title shot. And you know, my memory's not great. And the last thing I'm thinking about with respect during these fights is the main event challenge. But it's amazing the swing, right? If you're thinking about it from a main event challenge perspective, at the beginning of that third round, right, with the Santos knockdown, I mean. It's crazy, but uh, well, Ken Flo's got some work Ken, to do. Well, dude, and I picked uh, I picked Glover to win by rare naked choke in the second round. So when he had it in the last like eight seconds, I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I got this. And then he gets dropped. I'm like, fuck, Kenny's gonna text me in five seconds with the the like, hey, I got you on that one. I was I was not happy, but uh, yeah, we turned it around. Good for Glover. He's awesome. all right. UFC Fight Night Mahasha versus Dos Anjos coming up Saturday night from the UFC Apex. You can walk it, watch it on ESPN Plus. We have four main card selections for you today. First up in the middleweight division, Eric Anders minus 155, the favorite against Antonio Ahoyo, who is plus 135. So Ahoyo was to face Andreas Mikhailidis, but in steps Anders on short notice. He's been a real go-to guy for the UFC in that regard. Uh, and he has won two of three, Ian, but coming in here off a loss to Chris Jotko in May. You like Ahoyo or Anders here at 185 pounds, kid? Interesting fight for both men at this point in their career. I think this is a better matchup for Anders as he's going to have to use his athleticism to get this fight to the ground. And if he's on top, I really believe that he could grind out a victory here and finish it. Arroyo's got really nasty leg kicks, but he's kind of been taken down a little bit too easy. And Anders is a guy who can bully his way into that. His cardio concerns me, especially on short notice, as we saw in the Jocko fight. Uh, he has to get this fight to the ground without even being redundant. That's the, only, that's the way Anders wins. And that's what got him to the successful part of his career. So I don't love this pick, but I am going to go Anders. I'm just hoping Anders can make the walk. He was on my corner audio sheet, Ken Flo, to corner Ian Heinish, I believe. And uh, Heinish obviously uh, uh, had, had a COVID-19 test, so who knows what's going to happen. But uh, Kenny, Ahoyo, first start of 2020 here. He is a slight underdog against Eric Anders. Your thoughts? You know, this is a tough one. Um, obviously, we don't have as much information on Ahoyo, but um, I do think he's got the skills to get it done here against Anders. Um, I think he's going to be better on the ground. I, I agree that uh, Anders can cause some problems if he's able to get on top, but Anders to me doesn't strike me as this submission wizard or uh, guy who's going to wow you positionally. Um, and I do, I do think that uh, Ahoyo, if he's able to land some good kicks, he could hurt Anders and maybe even finish it on the feet. So uh, I'm going to take my chances with uh, Ahoyo here. All right, next up, also in the middleweight division, Julian Marquez. If my research is right, he's back for the first time since July of 2018 and returns as a whopping minus 275 favorite against Saperbeg Safarov, who is plus 235. You got Marquez 1-1 one one in the UFC. Safarov got arm triangled by Hadolfo Vieta earlier this year. Ken Flo actually is not going to lead on this one, so we'll go to Ian Marquez Safarov. Is this price wider than you'd expect, or am I off on that? No, it's way wider than I expect. I thought it was going to be Marquez, going to be minus 145. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going to go the other way here because in the main event challenge, you know, that's where the favorite kind of plays into your favor a little bit. This is right. a hard one for me because I don't think Marquez has – well, he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. I think he's got a lot of potential and a guy who's very athletic 
I think he's also a smart fighter. Um, man, this is really hard. This is a really challenging one, especially to pick on a Sunday. Not even Monday anymore. We're picking on Sundays uh, that's now. That's true. So that one's hard. So for the moment, I'm going to lean Marquez. I, like I said, on a betting standpoint, I don't like the minus 275. I do think his opponent is tough, though. You know, he gave um, Vieta some problems until that guy was able to get it to the ground and do what he did. But Marquez is also a way better striker in that regard. So, oh, man, this is tough. I won't be surprised if Kenny goes underdog, underdog here. Uh, for the moment, I'm going to go Marquez, but I'm going to leave that open to changing my mind during the week. And again, at Anik Florian Pod, we will update you guys if these guys do change their selections. They, of course, reserve the right to do so, but we're trying to get these recap shows out quickly. So as such, we make our handicappers make picks six full days before the fights, which is not ideal. Uh, Ken Flo, Saperbeg, Safarov, or Julian Marquez for you. Uh, this is a difficult one. Um, I, I don't think that Julian Marquez uh, takes the easiest path um, to victory a lot of times. And, uh, he puts himself in harm's way, um, sometimes, uh, makes it out, but, um, I don't think he wants to do that against someone like Safarov. Um, uh, overall he should be the, the, the more skilled fighter. Um, and we've seen Safarov struggle against guys, uh, who are, are good with submissions. I don't think, uh, Marquez is necessarily that guy. Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one as well. Um, I will go Safarov just because I need some points. Um, but uh, th this is a tricky one. Um, and if it stays on the feet, I think Safarov has a good shot. Yeah, I was certainly off on my projection. And again, you're talking about a layoff that extends a full year beyond what Tiago Santos's was for Julian Marquez. But he's a good dude. Uh, pretty good follow on Instagram as well. All right, co-main event in the welterweight division, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, minus 230 versus Chaos Williams, plus 190. Ian, I love this co-main event. We will need the round. We will need the method of victory. Chaos Williams is a beast. I understand why he's entrenched as the underdog, but what do you have for us, Ian, on the co-main? You didn't make it easy on us this week, John. Um, I don't pick the fights or the lines, but I love you. No, I love you. I love you too. And I love you more with that outstanding mustache and your relationship with Arlovsky had a little, had me a little jealous last night. Not going to lie. Know both uh, of our kids went to the same preschool down here in South Florida. So that's adorable. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> I saw Marlon Marais the other day outside of uh writer's school. That was, uh, that was cool to see him there. Not wearing a mask though. Didn't like that idea. <laughs> anyway, he wasn't, he wasn't, he was like, Tell <laughs> stop making fun of me. Um, yeah. <laughs> he said that Kenny, he's coming. Oh, for you. Man. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> this this is a really tough one. You know, I, I picked against Chaos last time, and Hassan is, you know, guy's been out for a really long time, had all that legal stuff. I'm glad he came out, Vic, Victor, in that situation. His last fight, though, was a lot closer than it should have been, and he was a big favorite out for a while, and I just don't know out of Chaos, other than the Chaos, no pun intended, what we saw in that first fight. You know, Hassan is the more technical fighter from what we've seen overall in his career, right? right? We've seen that power he brings. We've seen those leg kicks. His cardio didn't look great. He edged it out in his last fight. This, ah, oh, this is so hard. We, Kenny and I talk about this all the time. When a guy comes into a fight and we don't know much about him, and then he finishes it so quickly as a huge underdog, we really don't know what we're getting here. And Kenny keeps taking underdogs, which starting to scare me because if he hits both, then this whole lead this weekend in Glover did nothing for me. Ah, uh, man, how do I not? Fuck, this is really hard. I well, you keep saying that Abdul Razak Al Hassan edged out his last fight, which he did not. He lost to no, Munir no, 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 Lazez no. and he missed weight. No, no, no. I didn't. I meant. I didn't mean like he edged it. 
I shouldn't have said it that way. I'm saying like, to me, it didn't feel as the favorite what he was. He performed to that level is what I'm saying. It took right. him a little bit of time. That, that's what I meant. I and I he think he weighed 174 yet. pounds, if I'm not he mistaken, came, as well. You Yes, you are correct. Um, that's why I'm having so much trouble here. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take Chaos Williams. All right? I'm going to go. I'm not trying to, like, sway you. I'm just trying no, to. No, uh, no, no, no. For, for the moment, I am going to do it because, you know, again, Hassan was out for a while. Missed weight. That last fight, he did not show us that he was that huge favorite. Um, and chaos showed a lot. And this is the type of fight where we're going to see some chaos here. Give me chaos, man. I'm going to, mm, I'm, I'm going to say round two knockout. All right. Chaos Williams round two knockout 10 and one for chaos. Williams, Kenny seven straight wins that included his UFC debut in February when he blasted out Alex Morono. So Abdul Razak El Hassan 10 and two, the fight Island lost in July was against Munir Lazez. Certainly Abdul Razak El Hassan has the longer UFC body of work and clearly is getting some respect here from the odds makers. I also think Ken Flo, given that fight Island experience, having been there and talked to him, missing weight and being on the wrong end of that fight, I think that you, in theory, would get a pretty motivated, good training camp. I'm not saying it produces the desired result, but uh, I think at the very least he's going to make weight. What do you think about the co-main event coming up Saturday? Well, he better. Uh, and I, I think we'll find out just how motivated he is based on this fight. Um, I do think he's got a very dangerous opponent in chaos Williams. Um, but I think if things get crazy, if things get chaotic, uh, no, <laughs> I knew that was coming. uh, yeah, can't resist. <laughs> um, I, I think Al Hassan, uh, will, will have the advantage. Actually. I think he's the more powerful guy. And I think yeah. chaos gets a little too wild for, for my liking. And if you're trading in there, I want the punch that's going to land uh, in a straight line uh, as opposed to the wild uh, hook. So um, I, I will go. I will go with uh, Al Hassan here. Um, I, I think that he should come off that last fight a little bit more um, humble, um, but more yeah. focused, yeah. Uh, and also utilizing more variety as opposed to just trying to knock him out. You know, first minute of the fight. Um, I, I think that, uh, he also probably learned a lot, a whole lot about pacing himself and how to work and be effective in the clinch. All right. Abdul Razak Al Hassan, do you have him getting a finish here? You got a round. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, I'm actually going to go with round one knockout. <laughs> All right. So as we get to the main event, which Ken Flo will lead, this is the first time since you guys started making picks against each other on, on a mostly week to week basis that you have disagreed on the first three, which is very exciting for, uh, for me and the intern Casey Williams. We like discord. We like disagreement. All right. Main event Islam Makashev minus five twenty five. Rafael Dos Anjos plus 415. We'll need the round, the method of victory, all that stuff. RDA back at 155 pounds. Ken Flo, this is where he won the belt in 2015. Eight fights at welterweight moving back down. Not an easy weight cut for him. 30th UFC appearance overall, and he's taken on a big favorite in the 18-1 and one, Islam Makashev. Who wins the main event flow, and how do they get it done? You know, I, I'm a big fan of RDA. I think he is one of the uh, nicest guys in the sport. I think he is extremely skillful and very dangerous everywhere. However, uh, the UFC is just not giving him any favors in the last few fights. I mean, if you look at uh, the guy, if you were to build an individual who would traditionally give RDA trouble, it's Islam Mahashev, right? I mean, it's a guy who comes from a wrestling background who's going to pressure you. And the unfortunate thing for RDA is 
this guy, Mahashev, can also strike very well. And he's also going to be buoyed and uh, motivated by uh, the loss of Habib's father, who was a huge mentor for him, who kind of acted as a father for him as well. So getting ready for that camp and getting Habib ready for his last camp, you don't think he's going to be ready and sharp <laughs> and ready to rock? My goodness, what a tough fight there for RDA. Yeah. I like Mahashev here. Um I could see him winning by TKO maybe late in the fight, uh, like round four, maybe round five. Um, but um, I think it's going to be tough to, to take out a seasoned veteran like RDA. I'm going to go with decision uh, by Mahashev. All right, Kempflo likes Islam Mahashev by decision. And it stands to reason that without the presence of Khabib Nurmagomedov, that Islam Mahashev certainly would have already fought in a UFC main event. And who knows, without the Adriano Martins slip up early in his career, uh, could be a champion right now. Uh, most people fancy him a future champion, Ian. Obviously, he has the respect of uh, the betting public, at least so far, and the odds makers. What do you think about the price on Makhachev? And, and do you think he will dispose of Rafael Dos Anjos? Before I get into that, I, I want to give uh, Kenny kudos on that last uh, advice towards Hassan for his what he should do moving forward in his career. If, he, if these fighters should watch this show sometimes, not even for like the entertainment, but sometimes when Kenny really give, gives people a blueprint how to bounce back in their career off a loss. So, dude, no, not to blow smoke up your ass because I love you, but that was so well said. How to come back off someone missing weight, coming off a loss, off a long layoff. That's literally perfect. Although I still hope I win and you lose, but. Uh, Otherwise, that was as spot on as it gets. Listen, in regards to this fight with Islam versus RDA, yeah, again, Kenny's right. RDA gets no favors from the UFC. Once he won that belt and dropped it, like, you know what, kid? You had your time in the shine. Now we're going to just use that name as a top-tier gatekeeper in both divisions. We know you're going to come out swinging. You're going to fight hard. And if you win, awesome. We love you. If you lose, awesome. We love you. We're not going to make it easy for you. Islam is a guy that has... Sky's the limit. He will be a future champion. He is so well-rounded. It's funny. We talk about his wrestling, but we see this elite striker as well. So complete, so well-rounded. And RDA is a very well-rounded fighter too, but on the decline while Islam is on, obviously <laughs> heading towards the sky in a good way, more motivation for him is not even necessary. You know, this is just a good name to get on his resume with a very strong win. I'm not in a rush to push him towards a championship fight just yet, even off this win. I want to see him be built up the right way. And again, we talk about this with highly high level prospects, get past RDA. Don't, don't look too far ahead, you know, but then the next step up and get the finish. You know, we see these guys come in and all of a sudden they fight someone like an RDA and they squeak out a decision, but an ugly one. And then it kind of, you think about it. I hate to bring up Tanner Bozer. We were so big on him and what he did last night, even though Kenny and I both agree we thought he won, that wasn't the guy that we were saying is going to fight for a title anytime soon. Just just no way. And that's okay also. It's early in his career. But these are the type of things that we talk about. You get that new name on the resume, and you fall short, whether it's a boring win or a controversial loss. So in that regard, I think Islam is going to win. I'm going to go TKO round four. I do think the pressure, uh, RDA does not do well with that. He doesn't do well when a guy pushes him and bullies him against the cage. And I love how Islam comes off that cage, show off the clincher with those elbows and kicks. So I, I like this kid a lot. I think he's going to win. All right, both guys like the chalky selection. Islam Makhachev in that minus 500 range to get it done in the main event against Rafael Dos Anjos. You can see it on ESPN plus. If you want more content from Ian Parker, God love you at Ian Parker MMA on social media. Big one next week on pay-per-view UFC 255. My friend, we will talk to you then. Thank you so much. You got it guys. Appreciate it. All right.
The main card comes your way earlier than it did last week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday night. All right, one thing left to do. Actually, a couple orders of business. I think you might like the pronunciation of the week, but uh, pick to click time. Let's go. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, NFL picks for me and Cody Merrow coming up in a minute. But first, I want to do a pronunciation of the week because, Ken Flo, I've been at this for nine years with the UFC, and certainly I was diving into pronunciation guides at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut prior. But this name of this individual who is fighting in the main event on Dana White's Contender Series this Tuesday night singularly is the hardest name that I have had to pronounce. So I have now pronounced it about a hundred times. I filled in on Dana White's contender series last Tuesday in a pinch or last Wednesday. So I had to say this name looking ahead. So I now know how to say this name, but I want our listeners to hear this file. And I certainly want to hear how our executive producer, what's your middle name, Cody, by the way, Alexander. I want to hear how cam Cody Alexander Merrow pronounces uh, this Polish fighter's name. So have at it, Cody. Well, Boston, shout out there. My initials are Cam on purpose for Cam Neely. So. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought you were going to go Cam Newton going Cam Neely, you're fucking legend. Get out of here. So <laughs> I thought this was a typo when John sent this to me. This is a ridiculous name. Uh, just wait, I listen- Flo, Just wait. You're the language guy, Kenny. Just fucking wait. Okay. I know it was Polish, so I think it's Mariusz Szajiszkiewicz. <laughs> Mariusz, the Iron Pole, Ksiąszkiewicz. One more time. Mariusz, the Iron Pole, Ksiąszkiewicz. So it sounded a little bit quieter than I think our audio level, but it is Mariusz Ksiąszkiewicz, right? I mean, Ken Flo, can you say that? No, I can't. Uh, I don't know how you call a fight with, oh, a nice jab by Kishon Shkiewicz, right? And Polish fighters, Joanna Jacek, right? We do her name as well as we can. But a lot of Polish fighters will say, with respect, you English-speaking Americans can't pronounce Polish names. Like, you physically, your mouth cannot properly do the syllables. I've said this a hundred times. It still don't sound good. Well, and here's the thing, though. I take this seriously. I went and I looked. I looked at where he was from. I looked at all of the information. He's from Canada. So how am I supposed to say a Canadian <laughs> Polish guy's name that looks like that? I, I just wanted to add a to the end of it, and I was like, "That's going to be." It. What are you, you talking play, about? <laughs> can you play that file again and maybe a little louder if possible? Is that an option? Yeah, I got it. I gotta hear it again. Mariusz, the Iron Pole. Shonskiewicz. Shonskiewicz. Mariusz. The Iron Pole. Shonskiewicz. Shonskiewicz. Wow. I mean, you're not going to keep calling him the Iron Pole. I guess you could do Mariusz. I think a lot of our analysts, when they can't do the surname, they'll just go first name. So I would probably go Mariusz. But with the double SH sound, Shonskiewicz. What in the actual fuck? I hope they don't call me to do Tata White's Contender Series next week. All right. NFL picks. I had the Buffalo Bills as one of my picks last week, laying three and a half. They won by three. So I went one and one on the week. I'm five and four. 
Cody Merrow suffered a couple bad beats. I'm not going to lie to you folks, but you're two, six and one. You've got some serious work to do. Time is running out. Week nine is upon us, Cody Merrow. Who do you have on the gridiron this Sunday? Well, so I have something to prove on this Sunday, and so do the Ravens coming into Indianapolis. They're 3-0 and when they go on the road, and I was honestly shocked to see that they were minus one. So, John, you know, I got to go with the value here. I think they pull it off today. Ravens minus one, but some books have it as an underdog. They're 7-1 and one in their last eight as underdogs. So give me the Ravens minus one, and it really can't get much worse. So what, right. what does it even matter? No, you're right. Short price. You're just picking a winner. I know Phillip Rivers has had a good year, but I do think uh, Lamar Jackson – Big quarterback advantage for me with Baltimore, but uh, I don't know. I could see Indianapolis winning that game, so I'll probably lay off, but I understand why you like Baltimore. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know who's playing quarterback today. It's not Gardner Minshew, but I'm taking the Jags plus seven. You know why? Because Romeo Cornell's Houston Texans are coming in there, and the Houston Texans should not be favored by a touchdown against any National Football League outfit on the road. So Jaguars plus seven for me. If you got the seven and a half earlier in the week, power fucking to you. All right, we got to get on out of here. I got to put in some time with my children. Thanks for everybody uh, listening and chiming in on the podcast. Don't forget, remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik on the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel coming up this Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for my favorite fighter. I mean, was there any doubt? Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. So long for now. Don't text and drive. Congratulations to the president-elect Joe Biden. Wear a mask if you think it helps. I certainly do. And uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo fucking later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.